0: This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: in this episode, we'll be covering the coming weeks from the 27th of November to the 3rd of December. I'm Ezie Pearson, and I'm joined this week by Paul Money. Hello, Paul.
0: Hello, Ezzie. How's things with you?
1: Things are going well. Can you tell us what we've got to coming up in the night sky over the next week or so?
0: Yes, well, you know, it's always the same, isn't it? We have to start in the morning sky. It's real. It does happen. You know, there's there's still the morning sky with astronomical events in it. It just means we have to get up. And this one is 6 a.m. sort of thing, or thereabouts. Basically, we're looking for Venus, and Venus is obviously a bright looks like a bright star, but we know it's a planet. And it's passing the star Spicer, or Speaker, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And it does so over the next few days right to the end of November, so the 27th to the 30th. It's in the morning sky, so it's a brilliant star to us. That's why it gets the name Morning Star, and of course when it's in the evening, the evening star as well. But it's gliding past Spica. So there we are. We want to be looking towards the southeast, but then Venus is so bright you shouldn't be able to mistake it as such. So watch over the next few mornings as Venus glides past this naked eye star, which is Alpha Virginis, so it's in the constellation of Virgo. So that's Venus to get us started. Now that same day, the 27th, when we start the week, that evening is actually full. The Moon is full. So uh, normally, you turn around and said, oh, well, let's not bother with that. But he does make a nice triangle with the Pleiades and Aldebaran in Taurus, because it's lying in Taurus at the moment. So it will wash out a lot of the stars, but you might just make out a few of the brighter members of the Pleiades. And Aldebaran is a naked eye star anyway, slightly orange to see if you can see the colour. So, but it is full moon uh, that night. It's also a good time full moon to look for the various ray features. So if you've never looked at the moon uh, when it's full... Because one of the earliest things we used, I used to remember is that, oh, you don't bother looking at the moon when it's full because uh, the details are washed out. Mm. However, we've learnt more since then because, of course... Actually, the ray features are really prominent. So if you want to study the ray features, there's patches of them all over from Tycho, Copernicus, Kepler, and a few of the other smaller ones as well. So, so the full moon isn't a time to ignore the moon itself. It, it, actually, there are things to look at under full moon.
1: It's more one of those things. There's different things to look at at different times of the moon. If you want to look at a, a, at a, a crater or the sort of topography of the moon, I suppose, like it's lumps and bumps then best time is when it's on the Terminator. But there's always something good to see on the moon, except for new moon. But even then, actually, you've still got the Earth shine, so there's always something.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as soon as you see that very slim crescent, you know, look for the Earth shine, you know. And of course, new moon, technically, if it occurs and there's an eclipse, well, you see in the new moon. It's the only time, of course, you do see the technically the new moon itself, isn't it? During a solar eclipse. But there we are. Okay, now all week... We've still got, I mean, it's amazing, we've had them quite a few months, but we've still got all four giant planets on view. And the first two, and these are the ones that are gradually over the next couple of months are gonna get lower and lower and so harder to see, but we've got Saturn and Neptune. They're over in the south and south-southeast. Saturn's in the south and Neptune's in the south-southeast by 6 p.m. So they are well-placed to view as long as you've got no cluttering. As it happens, I've got buildings in that direction. So my time is limited when I can observe these two planets. So I have to get them uh, a little bit uh, earlier on. So they get into the position where I'll soon lose them. But if you've got a clear horizons so around through to the west, then actually you'll be able to follow them for several months or such. But we know that they're getting lower because Saturn is now setting before midnight. In fact, it sets about 11 p.m. So, you know, it's getting closer. So the period of visibility um, is beginning to narrow now uh, for both those planets. So that's Saturn and Neptune. But a bit further along, of course, we've also got Jupiter and Uranus. So we've got all four of the giant planets still on a, a parade of the giant planets. <laughs> Sounds like should be a B-movie. <laughs> but we've got Jupiter and, of course, Uranus as well. And the thing about Jupiter is that, I mean, it's so well-placed. It's above the head of Cetus technically it's in the constellation of aries so as it happens it's so highly placed in the sky that we're getting some really good views of it now and images are getting some cracking pictures of the features actually on jupiter itself i mean i was out just a few nights earlier sort of thing and i actually got some great views and i'm not i don't consider myself a particularly good planetary imager but i got the belts i got the red spot and some of the storms in the southern hemisphere so there's a lot to see on jupiter i, I always think that I'm Of all the planets, Jupiter is the one that's most reliable with all the features you can see, the two Mm. main belts, the great red spot. Some of the storms that occur and sort of plumes that come out of the north equatorial belt as well so there's a lot to see and even the polar hood is sort of like definitely a different shade uh compared with the rest of the planet as well so there's actually lots to see out on jupiter and of course the galilean moons we mustn't forget the galilean moons forever going around it sort of thing so uh, they're always fascinating as well
1: it's a very interesting planet jupiter as you said it's got a lot going on it's very much worth taking a crack at it especially now considering it's so high in the sky
0: Exactly. I mean... Saturn's interesting. I mean, the rings are the main thing. But again, in the next two years, the rings are going to go edge on. So they mm-hmm. are closing up for our view, but they're still quite pretty at the moment. And of course, we've got a few moons going around Saturn. And uh, Neptune's got Triton. I mean, yeah, that can be seen in a modest-sized telescope and imaged actually quite easily. Um, but uh, and Uranus sort of thing, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a green disk. Mind you, I always think that's what marks it out. If you see a green disk, you've got <laughs> a green star, You've got Uranus as such, so uh, so it's a lot a bit easier to spot sort of thing in that respect. But again, you know, modest-sized telescopes you can get three, sometimes four, and if you've got a big telescope, you can go for all five of the classic moons of Uranus. So actually, there's quite a parade of moons on while we've got the giant planets in the night sky. But talking about our moon, of course, or now, um, it's actually in. Uh, so I've talked about the 30th of November. Um, it's actually quite close to Upsilon Geminorum on the 30th, but it forms a sort of right angle triangle with Castor and Pollux as well, sort of thing. So it's well displaced. And I always like it because when it's nearish some several quite close by stars, if you watch it over the coming hours, you can see it moving against the backdrop of the stars. So it shows it isn't a static object. Sort of thing. And the same applies uh, a few days later on December the 2nd. The moon is directly above the beehive cluster, Messier 44 in Cancer. It's, it's several degrees above it, but again, if you watch over the course of the morning, this is sort of like 5am in the morning, but if you start, say, around about 3am and watch it, you can watch the moon gradually glide past above the actual cluster itself. Now, the moonlight will drown out some of the fainter stars of massive 44 but it's well worth having a look with binoculars to see whether you can see how many stars you can see actually in it and then we get to the end of the week december the third the moon then is halfway almost exactly between the sickle of leo which is an asterism leo is the constellation but there is an asterism that looks like a sickle or a backwards It could call it a hook it looks like a uh, there you are it's a, it's a disney characters. It's, it's captain hook in the actual night sky which looks like a sickle and the moon's exactly between messier 44 and the sickle constellation uh, sickle asterism as well sort of thing to finish off the actual week so there we are
1: thank you very much for taking us through all of that Paul and if our listeners at home want to be sure to keep up to date with all of the weekly stargazing highlights please do subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear us next week But to summarize all of those again, on the 27th of November, the star speaker is going to be next to Venus as Venus is gliding past. On the same day, you can also see the full moon forming a triangle with the Pleiades star cluster plus the star Aldebaran. And it'll also be the full moon that night. So it's a great chance to catch up on all of the ray features that you can see coming from the craters of the moon. Then on the 30th of November, the moon will be next to Castor and Pollux in Gemini as well. Moving forward onto December the 2nd, the moon will be gliding past the beehive cluster. Then on the following night, on the 3rd, the moon will be between M44, that's the beehive cluster again, and the sickle of Leo, forming that hook. And of course, throughout the week, all four giant planets are still very much well on display. Jupiter is particularly well-placed at the moment and has lots to see on there. So if you're a planetary observer, that's definitely one to look out for. Lots going on in the night sky this week, and we hope to see you here back next week to find out even more stargazing highlights. Goodbye. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for throughout the whole month. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.